a message from our sponsor, Riverview Boat Store and Tug Service. Riverview Boat Store and Tug Service has been your trusted marine supplier servicing the Upper Mississippi River for over 25 years. Since 1998, they have grown to be one of the largest inland boat stores. They are not just a delivery service. They have what you need in stock and ready to order. Their office and warehouse are centrally located in Bellevue, Iowa, and with their fleet of specially built delivery boats and refrigerated vehicles, Riverview can conveniently deliver groceries anywhere on the Upper Miss or the Illinois. Their green and white tugs can be found up and down the Mississippi, and they operate one of the largest lock assist businesses on the Upper Miss with 12 tugs servicing tows from Hastings, Minnesota to Clinton, Iowa. Their website now includes online grocery ordering with monthly specials available for review or download, and their fleet equipment information and vessel telephone numbers can also be found there. Like them on Facebook at Riverview Boat Store and Tug Service, and check out their website at www.riverviewboatstore.com. Welcome back to Between the Levees. We'll start with what we know. My guest today is Jared Ward. He is an assistant engineer now for ACBL. He was a deckhand for Mr. James Edwards, who appeared on this show on episode 52 a few months back. We're going to get into it and see where it goes. Jared, thank you for joining me today. Hey, how's it going? Going just fine. Uh, what did you think of, uh, of the show? I know you said you watched James's episode. Uh, whenever I first saw that James was on the episode, and uh, I appreciated him for shouting me out, actually, and I didn't really expect to be on the show myself, but uh, after watching his episode, I found it kind of interesting. Started looking more into the podcast ordeal here, and uh, I didn't really think I'd find myself on it, but here I am. I'll give it my shot. Well, I did forget to mention you're joining us from almost 70 acres. Yes, correct. Uh, probably the, uh, the nicest view I've had on the show so far. But um, anyway, let's begin where it all started. Where were you born? I was born uh, in Huntington, West Virginia, right across the river from Proctorville, Ohio in 2002, um, right down the river from Galpolis and Point Pleasant, Ohio. And what did your parents do for a living? My father was an HVAC um, man our life. He's always been in HVAC. Um, and my mother um, is like home and health care. She goes and takes care of the elderly and whatnot um that's she's done that as long as i can remember before that she just had little odd jobs here and there but what about grandparents was anybody in the industry no actually i had nobody in the industry um to even guide me out here actually um i had my girlfriend at the time um her brother was a captain for marathon and he talked me into becoming a deckhand well i tried to apply for marathon at the time they weren't hiring so while well, i was dead set on being a deckhand at the time and i i really wanted to come out here and uh, start work so i applied for acbl and they gave me a job and what year was that that was 2021 um I, I did all my application in 2020 the end of 2020 and got hired in in uh, january of 21 okay well let's back up a little ways tell me about your childhood growing up down there Childhood, growing up, uh, spend all my time out in the country. I've been in this little area uh, around between Galpless and Proctorville, Ohio, for my entire life. Haven't went anywhere else. Uh, just enjoy the country living, hunting, fishing, um, sports growing up, real small school. I think my entire high school and middle school together was about 250 people through the entire my entire years of school. Um, 
and um, I grew up working on cars. That's actually how I got into wanting to be a mechanic and wrenching on things. Um, I got a job working with my uncle. He had a mechanic shop, actually, and I uh, started weed eating for him when I was real young, and he wouldn't let me touch the cars, you know, because he didn't know. He wasn't sure I could work on anything. Um, then he was like, well, why don't you just come in the garage and help me out a little bit? all right well i'll start working with you there and through the summer you know i just continued working with him and got to my senior year in high school and i wanted to i wanted to become a mechanic so i went to diesel technician school university of northwestern ohio um, right after i graduated high school and um, from there i knew i wanted to be an engineer at the same time i was being talked into becoming a deckhand so I told him, you know, I wanted, I wanted to work on things. And he said, well, you can just go to the boat and you can, you can work on, on bigger engines and stuff. I was like, well, I've never really worked on them kind of things. And, um, from that point forward, I was like, all right, that sounds like a plan to me. Really? I mean, we'll give it a shot. So finished my schooling in Northern Ohio, Lima, Ohio, and, um, started on the river as a deckhand. Anything interesting to share about the, your, your time in school? No, no, I just, uh, I worked on big semi trucks and I knew nothing about anything to do with the river industry. As a matter of fact, uh, still yet, I was blind to the whole, that whole side of things. I, uh, went through transmission classes, electric classes, um, AC classes, live dead engines, you know, and, um, I felt pretty confident in working on any of them kind of engines, but as far as going out on the river and working, that was still beyond me. So ACBL says, sure, we could use your help. Tell me about the onboarding and training process. The onboarding training process uh, started in Convent, Louisiana. They uh, got a hold of me, said, we're going to send you to training for a week down there, and um, we'll find you a boat. So I go to training, and they put me through. It was pretty pretty good training, uh, actually. I, I was still little did I know what I would actually be getting into on the river. You never actually know until you get there, I learned. Uh but they didn't go job in convent and um i i got out there and i had to go through a period of time where i had a book of things i needed to learn before i could be cut loose as a deckhand on my own i had some some very very good teaching um when i was out there um my mate and lead man did a good job at showing me what to do and what not to do a lot of what not to do too but uh, they were very good teachers and um once I got cut loose, I started making my way towards the engine room. Was that about about a two week training period in the uh, in the convent dorm? Um, it used to be two weeks. They cut it down to a week at the time. Whenever I got in, it was right around COVID time, so they was just pushing people through, getting them in and out. What boats did you end up getting on in the in the fleet there? Um, in the fleet at convent, or as soon as I right. went in training. Uh, well, in training, I didn't actually go to a boat. They just had a training pad outside. We uh, walked over to the fleet, and we was able to go to Tiger and, you know, step on barges, and they could show us um, how to wire in some couplings, high lows, that kind of thing. But it was never – I never was able to step on a boat. And was your first boat with James? Yes, that's correct. I started out with James. He was a steersman, finishing up his steersman at the time. Well, tell me about your first time setting foot on a boat out there on the river. Step foot on the boat. I didn't really know what to think. It was a completely different environment, actually. Um, it was a very nice boat, well-kept boat. Uh, the guys were very welcoming. Um, I get on there, and the first time meeting James, he was on his way up to the wheelhouse. Um, 
And I went up there to talk to him and the captain, and they talked to me a lot about, you know, what I thought about the boat and um, asked me about my plans and whatnot. And I told them all, all of what I planned on doing. And they were just all real welcoming for the whole, the whole thing. Well, tell me about the, uh, well, it's only two years into your career. So I guess fill me in uh, on some details. Are you still, are you an assistant engineer on the same boat? No, no, actually, uh, I, I started helping my chief engineer on that boat, uh, the WT Tutant, which is now the Dan Thomas. Um, I started helping him out as much as I could. His name was Johnny Darnell. Um, and he, he's like, so you're serious about getting in the engine room. And I told him, absolutely. Uh, I helped him every chance I could on off watch, you know, I stayed in putting in just extra hours back there, just taking in everything I possibly could. Um, and, um, after I finished my time that I had to be on deck, the minimum amount of time, which was a year, I started putting in, I put, I had my lead man book signed off. And uh, I turned that in as well as my application to the engine room. And, you know, I, I just told him, I wrote him a letter and let him know I didn't really plan. I didn't know if it was going to work out getting in this time or not, because I know they're looking for more experienced guys. And I just told him, if you don't accept me now, I'm going to go ahead and apply again. So, you know, take what, take with what you will with that. And uh, I'm just going to keep going. So from that point, they accepted me. I was just shocked that they accepted me at such a young age and low experience level and not long on deck. It was about a year and three months on deck when I got accepted. And uh, I was just thankful. I was ready to go. So they sent me not too long after that to Cairo for my engineering training class. Before we get too far into the engine room there, uh, tell me about that year year and three months on deck. Where, where were you running? What was your favorite thing to see? What was your least favorite thing to do Stuff like that <laughs> well our boat was a utility boat we ran mostly the upper mississippi uh illinois and ohio rivers um very rarely we did take a trip down the lower um but usually we stayed up on the upper rivers and uh honestly I, the thing i miss is locking i love making locks and stuff on them upper rivers and uh the ohio river it was just peaceful calm um now, the Illinois, I have not seen so many bald eagles on the Illinois or the, anywhere else than I have on the Illinois, I would say. Uh, that was just crazy to me going up there and just the amount of freedom, I guess you'd say, on that river. It was pretty awesome. Least favorite thing to do, um, waking up every other watch for tow work, you know, the typical deckhand story, but... It, I enjoyed it. It taught me a lot of hard work, um, kept me dedicated, kept me busy. Um, I did enjoy all the times up there working on them locking rivers for sure. What was the most surprising thing you've seen out there so far? The most surprising thing? Um, honestly, the, the, the fact that how well people work together whenever you're out there, you've never met a guy in your life, you know, as, as, well, you get to know people going up and down the river, um, working with them. But for me, like they knowing I was brand new out there, they were still welcoming, willing to teach me some things that they knew that I didn't know, you know, them passing down the experience. And did you not have any interest in the wheelhouse? Do you still not? Well, uh, actually I did have interest in the wheelhouse. I still do have interest in the wheelhouse, but, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to 
go a few years in the engine room, I like to get to a chief engineer A position before I even think about anything in the wheelhouse. With James, actually, I did, as I was getting my lead man packet done, I'd go up there and he'd let me hold the sticks for a little bit. Um, he, he let me, you know, learn a little bit about what was going on up there. He, he showed me a good bit of things and we talked about it and all, and I was just excited to go into the engine room, but I, I would still like to get some seat time in up there and hopefully maybe one day go up there. How many engines and, uh, what, what horsepower was the boat? Um, our boat was 6,500 horsepower on the Dan Thomas. Um, they're general electric engines. Um, they were just replaced with the Alco engine or the Alco engines were the old engines on there and they was replaced with the GEs. Um, the boat I'm on now actually has, uh, EMDs. We, we don't do the general electric. There's not as many GE boats on the lower as there is EMD. I'll say that. I guess tell me what you can, what, what's a day in the life of an assistant engineer? Of the assistant engineer, well, you keep the uh, chief engineer that's training you happy is basically what you want to do there. Uh, taking everything you can from the chief engineer that is training you. Um, you keep your engine room clean. It's easier to spot anything that would go wrong in your engine room uh, as far as leaks or, you know, uh, anything broken, rattling around. Um, it's just best to keep everything clean is the most important part as an engineer, assistant engineer. Um, you make the chief's life easy. What kind of tasks are you doing for him? Um, as far as tasks, I'm servicing generators, main engines. I'm keeping oil in them, water in them. Um, uh, steering, I want to inspect the, the steering every week. I got to grease the steering parts, you know, make sure all the fire equipment is working properly. Um, as far as the cabin of the boat, you know, make sure anything in the galley is working, you know, make sure the cook's happy. Um, and then just, you know, do regular routine maintenance, make your rounds every hour on the hour um, and keep keep everything clean. That's about the gist of that. What does deckhand retention look like from your perspective over the last two years? Um, the deckhands, they're, they're, com they're becoming more scarce in the entire industry, as a matter of fact. Um, the deckhands aren't just they're not coming out and really wanting to work. You know, they get out there and they get on a boat where they got a little bit of work going on and just, they stop in their tracks. They freeze up. They don't know what to do. They, they just, they get out there and immediately they're like, well, I want to go to the wheelhouse, but they don't want to put in the work of, you know, of what needs to be done to get to where they want to go. And that's the main issue. They'll go out there and they'll start something, but they won't finish or they won't proceed with what they said that they wanted to do. They're, they just get lazy when you lay down. Um, and that's not all deckhands, you know, I, that's, that's speaking from my perspective. Nobody, you know, they'll come back to the engine room and say, Hey, how do I get here? And then that's the last time you see him for two weeks. You know, they don't, they don't want to come back and help to get to the engine room. Even. Um, but they're they're not even applying to become a deckhand even um, as much as they were you know back when I started I had to I was on a waiting list when I started now basically they've took down any any kinds of setbacks for deckhands you know you, you go apply and basically your warm body you get a job. Well, how, what do you propose to do to improve recruitment and retention? How, how would you recommend that uh, maybe a career path be defined for these guys? Uh, you know, de defining the career path, 
for uh, a new deckhand is it's kind of hard to do. You can't you can't really explain. And, and you know, sometimes it sounds good and grand from um, the shore side, um, but once they get out there and they learn what you actually do, it's not necessarily what they was looking for, and they decide that that's not the right path for them. But in all reality, I mean, you go out there and you got some guys that they did decide that's what's for them. Um, they those are the ones that stick around. And that's usually within the first trip. If they don't, if they get out there in the first trip, it's not for them. That's, that's the end of it for them. They don't, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of the best way to word what you're asking me here. Um, I would describe the career path is you're working six months out of the year and you're off for six months out of the year, you know, regular rotation for just line haul boats. Uh, you can't really beat this, the off time. Uh, any other job you're only working like i said six months 28 days on 28 days off um you you can't beat that as far as time off and the pay uh depending on the company the some are better some are worse but it's pretty reasonable pay starting out now it's starting to get better as well you know i've had several just regular yearly raises within the couple years i've been here i've had two and i've only been out here two years and a couple months you know but um, as far as pay and time off, you can't really beat this uh, kind of work. And are you married? No, I'm not. Actually, not yet. I uh, I just got engaged in September of 2022. So I will be married before too long. I can't really say much about the married life out, out there, but I've heard that it only gets better, you know. <laughs> but. Well, tell me about the, uh, I guess, the, the dating and the engaged life, trying to be out there a month at a time. Well, I've had the same um, girlfriend and fiance since high school. I came out of high school with her. I have a good one. She's willing to wait. You know, if you find one that's willing to wait for you till you get back, you know, supportive of the whole career, um, that's what you're really looking for out there. Or you can just, it's a single man's dream, really, if you want to stay single and and go work out in this industry, then that's, that's the move for a single man. Um, as far as having a family and, you know, getting to see friends and family and whatnot. Um, yeah, you're going to miss a lot of things, but you're going to be there for just as many things. Um, I've had no issues. Uh, she's very supportive of me. Uh, I really appreciate everything she's done for me and, you know, her support and whatnot, but, uh, I wouldn't change my career choice just because of the schedule and whatnot. Did the guys on the boat give any shit about Jody? Oh, yeah. I get all kinds, all kinds of crap about it. <laughs> the very first time I stepped on a boat, uh, I was just, just you know, a tourist, really. Uh, shoreside rolls. But I heard about Jody, like, out the chute. So uh, how soon uh, did you hear about Jody when you were working out there? Well, um probably just a couple trips in you know i stayed on the same boat so they they kind of let in about jody and then they just let it go after you know a couple weeks when they realized i wasn't really bothered by you know any of that did they ask you to uh to fine tune the radar they Anything did like that yeah yeah they uh they said go calibrate the radar and uh luckily i had a deckhand that was uh he cared enough to stop me before i did you know i was doing what i was told but uh 
and basically put on your your tin hat and go stand on top of that load out there and uh we'll tell you when you can come back but <laughs> no i didn't go through all that and another guest told me that his captain told him to go get the key from the lockmaster. yeah they were going through they got that too yeah we got the key for the lock the lockmaster and uh wheel wash samples i uh, i was told to go get a couple wheel wash samples <laughs> But uh, I didn't. I didn't go for that one. You know, at, at that time, I already had enough from the Lockmaster and the uh, the radar calibrating. But did you at least learn proper procedure for collecting wheel wash samples? Well, yeah, you tie the bucket off and <laughs> um, tie tie the bucket off. That way, you don't lose your bucket in the river. And uh, be sure to keep three points contact. That way, you get the proper wheel wash samples. Make sure it's clean water because if it's too dirty, you'll know, have to get another one. Well, that kind of wraps up these quite the, the normal questions here. It is kind of a short one, but that's all right. Um, tell me in your in your young career here, just a couple of years in, uh, do you see this as as your life now? Absolutely, rivers in my blood. I don't think I can let go of it now. Um, like I said, as far as the engineer, I plan on spending several years in the engineer room, and once I get and I'm content with the engineer room, I want to try to get some seat time and potentially go to the boathouse. It'd be really cool. I just want to really, I just want to learn the entire boat. I want to see from everybody's point of view. Um, I've, I've worked on deck, you know, I'm not gonna say a whole lot cause I was very fortunate and was, was able to get towards my career choice uh, a little sooner than maybe some others. But, um, I would like to see from the wheelhouse's perspective as well. And what would you say to uh, new kids coming up? Um, put in the work and this, this industry will treat you very, very well. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's done me well, uh, pays my bills, supports my hobbies and my habits, you know, and, um, it, it can be a very good career for anyone. I think that'll do it, man. Thanks for your time. Yeah. I really appreciate you. Uh, have a good day. Yes, sir. You too. This has been a production of Worry at Studios, LLC.